For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe DeLeon. Today, only joined by Ryan Roberts. No Alex Gilstrap. He is out selling houses like a badass. So it is just going to be Ryan and I talking about draft prospects and college football today. Because we don't have Alex, we decided to change course a little bit, stop talking summer scouting, focus mostly on some discussion topics. And what that exactly is, is hot takes, which is a conversation that we love to have, not only in our Twitter chat, but also on this show. We've done a few episodes like that. So as always, hot takes will be today's episode. We get three each. We're going to pitch them. We're going to break it down. All of that good stuff. Before we get to that, though, folks, I want to tell you about Bet Online. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action. And Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, Bet Online has all of the latest odds, news, and information for all of your sports betting needs. Visit their website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Ryan, we've got hot takes today. You excited? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I can't imagine trying to sell houses instead of selling hot takes, but that's just me. Exactly. I don't know. Shout out to Alex Gilstrap. I don't know. But yeah, we're here and I'm excited, of course. Well, when, when Alex is making the big bucks, he's going to build us a studio. That's confirmed. <laughs> is, is that in writing? Do we have uh, that right now? No, but I, I think if he gets drunk enough on his, his wedding weekend, I can fax him something. Like I'll, I'll fax him something. I'm just saying, Ryan, uh, or, uh, Alex, just quickly sign this. Get it back to me. It's Believe Stuff. You'll be good. While he's all truly up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, while he's all truly up. We probably could have done that during his bachelor weekend last weekend. We probably could have caught him caught him off guard with that. Oh, dude. That that selfie that he sent us? Like, easy yeah, stuff, man. That, that would have been an easy sell last week. We're, we're all moving in with him in Georgia. That's already in writing. He, we just, we'll put that in onto a piece of paper. We'll make it a binding document. I'll get it notarized. And then officially it's... How- how about the fact that like we've been on a podcast with him for like almost two years now, and I for what I never knew that he was a real estate agent until two days I, ago. I think it's so new. I think was... it's a new thing. I because yes. well, he well, was I in know school. That, but it, it's still like several months. It's still several months though. It's not like <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess it just never got brought up. I, that is a fair point. That is a fair point. I mean, yeah. it's not – we don't hang out outside of the show that often. It's just a lot of interacting about football in the chat. So it's not like we're getting a beer and we're talking about what we're doing kind of thing. 
I think we should start a new podcast where we don't talk anything about football. We just talk about our lives. Yeah, but how many people do that? <laughs> <laughs> a lot, probably. I think I don't know. Lifestyle podcast, right? That's gonna be thing. funny. We're not funny. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Well, you're not funny. Speak for yourself. But. I'm just being honest, giving an honest producer's evaluation. <laughs> so, so today, oh, hot takes fantastic. though. We're gonna be selling some pretty fiery takes. Uh, some not as fiery as the others, but nonetheless, fun discussion show. Shoot us a, a tweet if you think any of these are a little crazy or if you completely outright disagree at NFL Prospects Pod. Directly tag Ryan Roberts at Ryzen Draft as well, especially if you disagree with Ryan. Ryan is great to interact with if you disagree with him. <laughs> Ryan, what's Dude, your- I have a top I have a I have a top five Twitter feed. I don't know what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, what what's your first hot take? for this uh, college football season and the NFL draft? Well, for the 2021 NFL draft cycle, we saw what was a very top-heavy offensive group comparative to the defensive prospects. So we saw a lot of offense. I forget what the final number was. I feel like it was like 18 out of 32 were offensive or, or something. It, it was somewhere up there. Um, for my first hot take, I wanted to say that there are me 60% for the 2022 NFL draft first round, 60% are defensive players. So we're fl- flipping the script. I know 60% doesn't even sound like much really, but when you break down the numbers, that's tw- I'm saying 20 out of 32 players in the first round of 2022 are going to be defensive players. And I think that because there's going to be a, your ordinary run on quarterbacks, that's, that's going to be typical. Offensive tackle group is down. Wide receiver group at the top is a little thin. Running backs, I mean, if you're lucky, there might be one to two running backs in the first round on a good year. So, And tight end, I, I think maybe one. I don't think that's an exceptionally strong group up top either. So I think that that partly is that I think that it's a, a little bit of an underwhelming offensive group early. But then also, when I'm looking at this defensive side of the football, DeMarvin Leal defensive tackle, Texas A&M, that's one. Go to the the edge group. Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe Drake Jackson, Zach Harrison, George Karloftis, Kingsley Enigbare from South Carolina, Aiden Hutchinson, Majay Sanders, a lot of defensive ends, a lot of edge rushers that have an opportunity. Linebacker, probably only one to two of those guys will be in the conversation. Maybe Christian Harris from Alabama being the most notable guy. But then the defensive back group is exceptionally strong. Derek Stingley, Kyer Elam, Andrew Booth, Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. There's going to be a ton of defensive backs. And then the safeties, which is going to be one of my hot takes that we'll talk about in a little bit. We're talking about guys like Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, Bubba Bolden from Miami, uh, Brandon Joseph from Northwestern, maybe Jordan Battle if he takes a step forward. There's a lot of talented safeties that I think are also going to get drafted. So I just think that it's going to be a very defensive heavy first round. And I think that we're going to see 20 out of 32, potentially maybe more defensive prospects in the first first round. Yeah, it seems like, and we've only done offensive groups for summer scouting so far, it feels as though we're not really that confident in the offensive guys that we've mentioned so far. We've been like, yeah, these guys are good. And it's been interesting if you folks remember, like I'll ask you and Alex, like, oh, where do you guys have this this guy that's top two or top three in his position group projected? And a lot of times it feels like it's day two for right. for top two or three at the position. But I think once we get to edge and safety and corner, 
we're going to have a lot of top fives that are going to go in the whole first round. I think that there's a lot, a lot of talent defensively, and we, we haven't even really reached the full breadth of, of discussing and analyzing that stuff. We're still going to get to that, and there's, there's a lot, a lot of good names. Well, I think it's when you break down, if you ask me today, what do I believe are the four best and strongest position groups? I would say corner, safety, edge, and then interior offensive line. So to back up my claim here, I'm saying three out of the top four most, uh, the top four highest quality positions in the 2022 NFL Draft are all on the defensive side of the football. So I really think that we're going to kind of have the flip script, uh, the flip script, the script flipped a little bit. <laughs> Comparative to 2021, because we saw so many offensive heavy, offensive heavy first round. I think it's going to be the complete opposite in 2022. So Ryan, let me let me give you mine. What I got here for my first one. So this one's a little bit more of a college football take rather than NFL draft. And I I think that this isn't too fiery, but I know it's going to piss off some people because we've had some Cincinnati players come on the show. We've I think we've got some Cincinnati listeners that tune in. None that are overtly vocal. It seems like a lot of SEC fans are the ones that are vocal on our on our timeline. I don't think since actually I can pretty much say confidently Cincinnati is not going to finish as a top twenty team. I my reasoning is such. Last year they went undefeated, except for their bowl game. They had a very very good season not having to play an out-of-conference schedule, dominating the American. They're probably going to do that again this year. They're probably going to look really, really good against these American teams because, I mean, I just looked at their schedule briefly, and, like, the best team that stood out to me on there was, like, Tulsa, and we already know that Tulsa's losing a lot of guys. Cincinnati's returning a good amount of players, but for them to finish inside, like, the top 15 – you need to finish undefeated as a program like that. They're two of their non-conference games. The the other two are Murray State and Miami of Ohio. They're going to win those football games. Those are walkover games. But the, how dare you? How dare you? Yeah, right. The Murray State Racers. I can't <laughs> believe you right now. But they have to play Notre Dame and they have to play Indiana. And I don't think either of those are winnable football games for them. I don't. I get it. They are strong programs, but. Ultimately, what this boils down to is those teams are going to be more talented. They're going to be more competitive. The final piece of that, I understand that they're not really losing that many players. Like Desmond Ritter's coming back. A good chunk of their offensive line's coming back. They've got a lot of defensive talent. My Jay Sanders is, looks like a really, really good player. I just think the, the departure of Marcus Freeman is going to be more impactful than people realize for a group of five school like that or power six, however you want to say it. To lose a defensive coordinator is to a big program, I, I think is, is extremely impactful. That is going to completely derail their progress. I, it is not easy to replace a, a, a top-level defensive coordinator like that. It's not like an LSU or an Alabama where you lose a coordinator – and then you go pluck somebody from the NFL or you bring up somebody who is, who's going to be a head coach in five to seven years. It's not that same level of tran- translation. I think that that Marcus Freeman loss as their defensive coordinator is going to be huge for them. They're going to lose two football games at the, at the bare minimum. They're going to lose two football games. So that's going to put them somewhere around 20, I think, as a, a group of five school. 
I think that voters, though, and this there's multiple layers to this. I think the voters will cut them some slack with their ranking, though, if their only two losses are a Notre Dame team that's been a top ten team over the last you know three to four years, and then an Indiana team that had just had a really good season. I think they're going to be a good and they're going to be a contender in the Big Ten. So I think that they'll cut them a little bit of slack. I'm with you, top ten. Like that is going to be a no brainer. Like they're not no. going to finish top ten because they're going to lose. I mean, I know people are going to call us homers. It's fine because I know Cincinnati had a good season. They almost beat Georgia, even though Georgia had everybody out. But nobody wants to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, no one ever wants they're to talk about lose. that. <laughs> they're they're going to lose to Notre Dame. They're absolutely going to lose to Notre Dame. They're probably going to lose to Indiana. So you're going to be a 10-2 and two team going into the AAC championship game most likely, which is a fantastic season. Mm-hmm. And that would be a top 20 season, I, I believe it would be. The problem is, though, is you just went through the whole season in 2020 20 uh 2020 season even though you know it was a little haphazard of a season and cancellations and all this type of stuff but you just went through a full season and you beat every AAC team that you played it's hard to do that back to back years man i feel like some people are kind of underrating that i'm not going to sit here and say that it Tulsa's going to beat them i'm not going to say here and say that Tulane's going to beat them but i think they do have an opportunity to trip up somewhere and if they get to a situation where they're 9 and 3 then I'm with you. Like they're not finishing top twenty because I th- I think it's going to be tough for them to run the gauntlet of a conference season back to back years, completely undefeated, and when they are already going to have probably two losses out of conference on their schedule. And the other thing too, like you look at their wins, they weren't really. I actually, I mean, they were putting up some pretty good offensive numbers. <laughs> I, I was actually going <laughs> to say that they, they weren't. They were. Yeah, I'm looking at their their schedule. I was going to say that they that they didn't, but I. Uh, I don't know. I, UCF. I, UCF's the team, right? Like they, right. they have an opportunity to beat them. Dark Horse, I think Tulane's going to be pretty good next year. They had a freshman quarterback last year, Michael Pratt. Yeah. They still went like 8-5, and 9-4. and four. They have some dudes coming back. We inter- we, we did an interview, and we're going to have an interview coming on the show at some point of Jeffrey Johnson, who's a nose tackle from Tulane, who's a very t- t- talented football player. They have Dorian Williams, a linebacker who's exceptionally talented, might be one of the highest-drafted AAC players next year. So Tulane's got some dudes. Tulsa still has some dudes, even though they lost a bunch. UCF, you can't count Central Florida out, obviously, with Gus Malzahn mm-hmm. coming in. I feel like the running of the AAC is going to be a lot tougher for Cincinnati next year. Yeah, you got a lot of teams that are rising and getting their stuff together. It, it is not going to be a simple circumstance for them to just roll over those teams again. It is going to be normal right. circumstances. There, there is. It's not even a matter of if they get dominated by another program. I think it's if every program is on even playing field with having everybody available, someone's going to sneak in a in a quick jab and knock them off their feet and get a, a win. Then that puts them at three losses. That's where that's where I'm getting with them finishing like twentieth or like twenty second, like somewhere around that range. Like I, I can see them doing that. They're they're going to be a ranked football team, right. but I just I think that their success last year was very dependent on on Marcus Freeman and a lot of other things. Ryan, what's your second yeah. hot take? So, second hot take. I don't know how hot it is, really. I think some people are going to find it a little hot. I didn't think it was actually that hot after kind of like reevaluating. But I have – there will be more safeties drafted in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft than the last three drafts combined. So, if we go back to 2019 NFL draft, there were two safeties selected. Darnell Savage, drafted by the Green Bay Packers. And then um, Jonathan Abram was drafted by the now Las Vegas Raiders. So there were two that year. 2020, goose egg. 2021, 
goose egg. So there's been two safeties drafted in the last three classes combined. And I believe that this year we're going to have at least three in the first round. I think Kyle Hamilton is a slam dunk. Write a check for it. Like, yes, top ten probably Kyle Hamilton safety from Notre Dame. I think that the kid from Northwestern, Brandon Joseph, is a exceptionally talented football player who gives me Jesse Bates vibes. I think he has a very good opportunity to go first round. I think Bubba Bolden from Miami is going to have a very good opportunity to go first round. And I think that there could even be a couple other guys that could be in the conversation. But for me, I think there's going to be at least three safeties drafted in the 2022 NFL draft, which would be more than the last three draft cycles combined. I See... This one, I, I, I never want to disagree with you because you, you make a lot of sense. I, I just don't like uh, it, this circumstantially is, is very like I would be stupid to, to argue with this one because, it, well, first of all, it, it doesn't take much to outperform the last two years. Kyle, Kyle Hamilton is going to be a lock unless for some reason he decides to go back, which I doubt that Could happens. Could you imagine? I doubt that Could happens. Could you imagine? Could you imagine, dude, if he went back? That would be insane. There's absolutely no shot. No There's no shot that he goes back. He's six four, two twenty. Been at, like was a leading interceptor as a true freshman, as a backup, and then he's an All American, yeah. and he's just going to be a top ten pick, and he decides to go back. That would be fantastic. If that yeah, I, I for, mean, for Notre Dame's sake, right? But. I mean, Notre Dame has had guys do that, so it's not like that's impossible. But ho, ho, give me one. Uh, oh, I don't know oh. off the top of my head. All right, Brady, did, Get back did, did Brady Quinn stay all four years? <sighs> he probably did. Did Brady Quinn stay all four years? Yes, but I – yeah, he did. He did. Because he had that really nice year with Samarja and Rima McKnight and all those dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went back for the next year. Actually, I think Rima McKnight was actually hurt his junior year. Maurice Stovall was the wide receiver. So he had Samarja, Stovall, and Anthony Vassano at tight end. Then he went back for the next year. Yes, yes. So I guess you're right technically. Maybe, kind of. It's always funny when I'm like talking to my dad about that, and he's like, he's like, "Did you see so and so declared?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And I was like, "That sucks. I don't know why he, he left so early." And I'm like, "Every time a junior leaves early, and my my dad's a Notre Dame alum, it's just he doesn't he gets it, but he's like so disappointed. Like, why wouldn't you want to finish your education at Notre Dame? And I'm like, because they want to go make him like ten million dollars. That's why." <laughs> well, the big thing, too, that um, a lot of players have going for them is now a lot of those guys graduate in three years because they go a semester early now, you know. Usually yes. a lot of them enroll early and they a lot of know, guys take summer classes. A lot of guys. So I don't even know what Kyle Hamilton's graduation situation is, but I, I wouldn't be, like, super shocked if December of his junior year he's graduated. Like, right. it, w- it would make a ton of sense. And especially in that situation, I'd like guys to go back if, if – so if you went to Notre Dame, and I, you know this is a personal decision, so I would never say anything about somebody's decision whether they go into the draft or they come back. But if you went to Notre Dame, that's why that's because you've really valued that education and valued that degree. So for me, if you went to Notre Dame and then you said, "Eh, I'll I'll do that later, maybe," and you just kind of completely threw out one of the main reasons you went there, I think that's like a little contradictory in my opinion. Yeah. But again. Not gonna. I'm not gonna go either way on it because it's a guy's personal decision. I just feel like if that was one of your main reasons, like you want that four for forty, right? Like that's your big selling point to go to Notre Dame. You might as well just finish out the degree, especially with the, the again the tracks that they get people on now, where you can graduate in three years, three and a half years. I feel like guys can make it work so much quicker. I mean, <laughs> they definitely didn't have that when I was in school. Like if you went going to school, you were 
it took you four years to graduate, and now these guys have a lot of things going for them with like the fast track and everything of schools. Right, right. I mean, for football, it's always a matter of like getting guys in and out as quickly as possible. Is uh, yeah, if you're willing, if you're there for the summer, you might as well take classes, especially. Absolutely. I love South Bend, Indiana, but there is nothing to do in South Bend, Indiana. So if you're there, it's true. You're doing, you're studying. You're not doing anything else. There, there's no beach. There is nothing to go to. Right. Uh, Ryan, all right. I'm going to pitch my second one here, uh, as you gave gotcha. your safety one. So I firmly believe that there will be oh, as right. many Group of Five quarterbacks taken in the top ten as there are Power Five. So I'm referencing Malik Willis. I'm referencing Carson Strong. I think it's very easy this early on in summer scouting because of the box score scouting and the helmet scouting to overvalue the the power five guys like we're seeing now and to significantly undervalue the small school guys like Strong and Willis. Once they're able to play throughout the full season, I think it's going to be really clear that both of them are going to be worthy of those top 10 picks. And it's it's going to be the same – maybe at least one of them, it's going to be the same thing as it was with Trey Lance, where everybody's like, no, there's no way he gets picked that high, or like it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. But one team is going to fall in love with either of their traits, and they're going to end up getting selected in the top 10. And, you know, you're, you're probably thinking to yourself like, okay, so then that means out of Keaton Slovis, Spencer Rattler, and – um. Oh my God! I'm blind. Sam Howell. I, I don't know. He is easily yeah. the most forgettable player to, for some reason for me, despite being he's wonder, such a he's Wonder Bread, dude. Right? He's Wonder Bread. Yeah, yeah. he is. I and I actually, you know, speaking of Wonder Bread, I think out of those guys, I I have a feeling that Sam Howell, if we're picking somebody to have an underwhelming season, it's going to be him. Mm-hmm. Look at all the receivers that he lost. He lost both of his running backs. He doesn't have a whole lot going for him this this upcoming season. If I'm worried about someone underwhelming. And I'm not saying he's not going to have a good career as a pro, but if somebody's going to slide out of the top 10 and go a little bit later, it's going to be Sam Howell. He does not have the pieces around him that he had last year. You know what I think is actually your hot take here, Joe? By the way, before I actually start there, the the old Trey Lance thing last year, do you remember when people were like, oh, there's zero chance Trey Lance declares as a redshirt sophomore? I'm like, "Eh, I would say there's zero percent chance. If someone picks up the phone – or an NFL scout is at your game and says, hey, how you doing, son? Uh, we want you to come play for us. You're, you're going to consider, especially coming from a small program from that, like that. I yeah. saw one of my teammates do it as a junior. It, it mm. doesn't happen often. And when it happens, you leave. You don't risk it. You take the money and run. <laughs> Whoa, take the money okay. and run. Good song. Yeah. Um, so I think your actual hot take here, Joe, is that if, if everyone thinks that it's a very underwhelming quarterback class – you're saying that there's going to be at least four quarterbacks taken in the top ten. That's a little <laughs> bit of a hot take. I mean, that really is. What do you think about it? Um, just throwing that. I don't think that's unrealistic. I, I, what we. I don't think it's unrealistic. I, I said hot. I don't yes. think it's unrealistic. I, yeah. What we compared it to early on when we did our quarterback show is that we said it yep. seems a, a eerily reminiscent to the Josh Allen, Sam Darnold year. And ironically, we we kind of have. We kind of have some similar faces and backgrounds because we've got Carson Strong, the you know the big big guy with the big arm coming from Mountain West school. Yeah. We've got a uh, wonderbred chubby guy with a beard, <laughs> Sam Howell, and then we got the USC quarterback, and then we've got a guy that's a great athlete, uh, which you know I guess oh. Malik Willis, Lamar Jackson kind of thing. I don't know. I, 
There's a lot of similarities there, but I. That's that's funny. That's quarterbacks funny. Like are always going to um, be valued high. It's going to happen. This isn't as bad as the Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins draft. So like I don't. No. We're we're still going to have a good amount of guys that go. No, no, I, I I like it though. I like the parallels that you made. It, it would be so if Carson Strong is a first round pick, that would mean it would be every other year there's been a Mountain West quarterback draft because we had Josh Allen. And then two years later, we had Jordan Love, and then we and then two years later, we yeah. would have Carson Strong. So that's that's just a little funny little, um, I guess, uh, pattern that we're seeing mm-hmm. with, with Mountain West quarterbacks. But I will say this: I disagree with the take only because I'm just not sold on Malik Willis being a top ten pick. Mm. I'm just not. I knew I'm just you really I, not. I knew you were going to say that. I I am sold on Carson Strong, obviously being in the top ten. I am sold that two of the three quarterbacks that you just said are going to be in the top ten potentially, and one is not going to be. So I'm good with the two versus two conversation. I'm just really not sure Malik Willis is going to be in the top ten. I just I'm very, I'm struggling with that unless there is substantial growth as a passer, which there could be, and then this conversation could be a moot point. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I'm just struggling with seeing him top ten. That's all. You don't think that, and I'm not directly comparing him to Lamar Jackson, but like the guy's a great athlete. He is, and his and his arm is. It's not like he's got like a noodle arm. Like he's got a oh, he's a very talented. Arm. Very very very, talented. very good arm. You don't think that some teams are going to go, you know, like I want, we want our own version of Lamar Jackson here. We want to be able to kill teams through the air and with their legs. We don't care if he's inconsistent throwing the ball. I, th- I think there's two ways to look at it, though. One, it would be, I think, where you're going with it. It's like, are they going to learn from their mistakes? Because yeah. they Lamar Jackson should have been drafted earlier. But then the other side of it is, teams are sometimes hesitant on him for various reasons. On those type, on, on the athletic underwhelming accuracy type of quarterback sometimes. They are very underwhelming on those guys, which is why Lamar Jackson fell to the 32nd overall pick despite being one of the best playmakers we have seen in college football since Cam Newton. Like, is there yeah. is there a better dynamic athlete that has played the quarterback position than a guy like a Cam Newton? So I think some teams might question it, but then I agree with you. It's like, you know, in retrospect, should we have not been as hesitant on a guy that we could develop as a passer and as a dynamic athlete? I look forward to seeing the arc of Malik Willis because, again, I just don't – I'm just not comfortable with him in the top ten right now. I think he's a tremendous athlete. I think he has great arm strength. Just for me right now, I just see too much inconsistency. In th- I mean, he my, – my biggest rule with quarterbacks is don't make easy things hard. Don't make easy things difficult. And he makes a lot of easy things difficult right now, and that just drives me crazy. All right, that's fair. I had a feeling that you were going to do that, though. I had a feeling that you were going to find the indirect path to, to disagreeing with me. But it's okay. Discourse. We need discourse. We can't just... No, I know. I agree that we need some discourse. But instead of just straight up disproving, like, oh, I think that like this, this, and that, like, you know, we're going to have this many Power 5 guys, you came at the angle of... Wow, I don't know if there's going to be that many quarterbacks that go in the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the first thing that came to my mind. Right, I don't know. Right. Just, you know. All right, what's your next hot take? My next hot take. Um, so right now, every summer, we have these guys that kind of are planted in our minds, and this is a little bit of groupthink, and you know, it, it's a little bit of not being creative and not doing your due diligence, to be honest. Like, I'll call it exactly what it is. Call a spade a spade on that one. But there are guys that are the assumed top players to their position. They're going to be the first guys off the board. And I think a couple of those guys this year are Derek Stingley, the cornerback from LSU, and Evan Neal, 
the offensive tackle from Alabama, which we're going to talk about, Evan, next week a lot, obviously, with the offensive tackle show. I believe that both of those players, and this is a little bit of a this is a crazy one, I, I will say, because I think saying that one of those guys will not be the first player at the position drafted is is reasonable. I think that both have an opportunity to not be the first play, uh, player drafted. Right now, I have a player that is a higher grade than both of those players at each one of their positions. Wow. So I will say, I don't care if Alex, Alex isn't even going to listen, so it doesn't matter. So I have Sean Ryan, the offensive tackle from UCLA who I think has an opportunity to get drafted before Evan Neal. Wow. I truly do. I truly do. We'll go more in depth on why in the offensive tackle show, but I think there's a very good opportunity there. And then Derek Stingley, I think it's going to be a neck-and-neck neck race with Andrew Booth from Clemson when it's all said and done. I think Andrew Booth is special football player. So I think that him and Stingley are going to have a nice little neck-and-neck. Neck. So I think there's a possibility that both of these slam-dunk first player at their positions are not the first player at the position when it's all said and done. See, when you make claims about corners, I, t- I tend to listen. I I sat <laughs> I, – I was willing to sit back and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to track this J.C. Horn take that you have, and it ended up being right. So I'm not going to disagree with that one. And I also got to see Andrew Booth uh, firsthand twice when they played Notre Dame – and it's you know it's it's pretty clear how talented he is. I haven't seen as much Dirk Stingley as as probably you have, but I, I think that it, it what's, what tends to be the case right now why these are perceived as hot takes is that there's a lot of consensus that goes around because a lot of people go off of stats, they go off of awards when they put together their boards, not as much film as they probably should be watching, or they get to the film later than most people. Like, you started watching some of these dudes during the last cycle, so, like, you had a pretty mm-hmm. good jump on it. I just, I think that from our perspective, having already been exposed to them and being willing to work away from what the consensus is, it's not really a hot take for us. But for the current media and for other people, other Twitter scouts, it's it's a little bit different. Right, right. And I think that there's some preconceived notions you hear from people, right? And guys have been kind of on the front of the brain for a little bit. It's just kind of like it – I want to say morphs, but like it affects your perception of like maybe, maybe these are closer than I think. And Derek Stanley is a fantastic football player. Struggled a little bit in 2020. Andrew Booth I feel like is just not a guy that people maybe haven't watched enough yet. And I think that Sean Ryan is definitely a guy that people haven't watched enough yet. And, Joe, it's funny you say the cornerback thing. I will say this right now, and I'm going to say this on the offensive tackle show again. I know you said that Carson Strong might be my J.C. Horn of this cycle. I think Sean Ryan's going to be my J.C. Horn of this cycle. I think because wow. every place that I every place I look has him ranked as like 100th, 120th ranked player. I think this kid's a first-round pick. I think it's going to happen. I think he's a very, very talented football player, and I think he has a very good chance to be the first offensive tackle off the board. So there's my claim. Well, we'll, we'll, see, we can't put that on on Twitter because then Alex is going to – Alex is yeah. going to read it. He's not going to listen, though. We're not going to know that he's. Gonna he's not going to listen. No, absolutely. We'll find out. Hope that house was. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to text him like the the. Um, or I'm going to message him like twenty minutes before we record the next episode. But like Alex, by the way, how would you like the episode last week and see what he said? <laughs> All right, last one that we have here, and this one's mine. Of course, I have to find a way. I was egged into this one by Ryan, and I was like, you know what? I'll do it. I'll just I'll I'll pop in there. Uh, <laughs> I I have to include the fact that I think that this year we are going to have 20-plus FCS guys drafted. I'm not saying 
you know, top 100, but just drafted throughout all of the 250 or so picks, we're going to have 20-plus guys. My reasoning behind this, you had guys that had extended periods of time to develop and to improve their game with what was the longest offseason of any football player's career. You have guys that had the opportunity to get healthy. They were not able to declare guys that were fringe and we were unsure of, had to return, and a lot of them had really good spring seasons. And I think coming from that as well, we had some guys that just kind of popped up and came up on the radar. I think that's going to continue even further that this fall there's going to be even more guys that pop up on the radar that had, you know, had the opportunity this spring to improve and develop and almost treat it like an exhibition-type spring. And now in the fall is when they're going to really hit full stride. I think there's going to be a lot of talented guys that did that. And then again on top of it, and I think you said this when you came on my show, there were are, are a lot of guys that entered the transfer portal. There's guys that have some serious talent that entered the transfer portal. And they did not get those FBS looks. And they ended up on FCS teams coming from an FBS program. Some Power 5 guys even. I think that, you know, I can't really pinpoint who right now, but there's going to be some talented players that entered the transfer portal for a final year that did really, really well and are, sorry, are going to do really, really, really well in the, uh, in the upcoming fall. So I, that's kind of where I'm coming here. I think that 20 is not a crazy number. I don't think 20 is a crazy number, and I think that especially when we consider there hasn't been a ton of volume of guys. We went from 13 down to 5 this year because, like you said, everyone went back to school because, like, why would you not go back to school if you had <laughs> the extra season? And you're, most of them, like 90-something percent of the teams got their season pushed into the spring, so timing just didn't make a lot of sense. We saw guys like Drew Himmelman from uh, from – Illinois State, who may have been a draftable offensive tackle, decided to go back to school, which I do not blame him for at all. So I don't think it's crazy. I think it's going to be right around that number. Um, over under, I would set it at 18 and a half um, and see if it's an over there. I think that there's a definite possibility that happens. So no discourse on this one, Joseph. I agree with you. I think there's a there's a reasonable chance that we have 20 FCS guys. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely definitely on the radar. The circumstance is leaning very heavily in their favor for that happening. I don't think that one's – that's probably the coldest take that we have on this show. It sh- that's all you do, dude. It should be. Spring cold takes. Well, it's yeah. – th- th- thanks, thanks. I mean, it shouldn't be a cold take, but there's definitely going to be some idiots that disagree with me. But I, very possible. Very, very possible. How dare you call our listeners idiots? Well, I don't think our our consistent listeners are idiots, but then there's just the random people that tune in and and try to you know find ways to disagree with us. Like there was that one moron who who left a review, and I hope you consistently listen, jackass, uh, who said that we it sounds like we're just <laughs> just saying things Throat and trying to sound lot. right. Yeah. Okay, man. Sure, man. I mean, I, mean, I bet. I mean, if they're if, if so, we're saying things that are right. Okay. The thing is, that th- is that our job. <laughs> the thing that that is so astronomical about that comment is that how would you yeah. know if we're wrong just because we're speaking like we know what we're talking about? How about you just take the benefit of the doubt that we know what we're talking about and you're not just you're the one who's making the goddamn assumption. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I would I would just love that guy to point out like he didn't even like cite a couple examples of like things that we said that yes. were completely off the wall or completely crazy or did not happen i mean because i mean there's there's obviously there's misses for everyone but like for the most part i think i feel like we keep it pretty reasonable takes and we kind of give the pretty good analysis on like how things are going to kind of play out yeah. i don't think that we 
that that made it sound like we're just attention seeking, right? Like we're just trying to right. find these outlandish takes to be set apart from people. When in reality, we're just trying to put a real comprehensive look on the draft class. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, I try not to dive too much into being negative, but we always have to go. bring that up if we have the opportunity to, folks. Make sure to hit that follow button at NFL Prospects Pod at Joe DeLeon at Rise and Draft at Alex Gilstrap. Subscribe as well. Leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening. Uh, and then also head to Believe.com to find our show as well as hundreds of other amazing shows. Enjoy the rest of your day, folks, and stay tuned for an interview coming out tomorrow. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.